there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Down the billowing fog as if it were the side of a mountain rode shapes on horses. At first, the dense mists hid more than that, but slowly they came closer, and it was Rand's turn to gasp. He knew them, men, not all in armor, and some women. Their clothes and weapons came from every age, but he knew them all. Rand, Chapter 47, The Great Hunt. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my friend Tracy. I am here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today, we are almost finished up with The Great Hunt. We are doing chapters 45 (laughs) through 48. And I guess Tracy is going to start us out with chapter 45, Blade Master. Yeah, I love the end of this book. It's really good. And these are like chapters that have sat with me for so long and I still come back to them and I still am like, yes, yes. All right. So first point of view is from Nynaeve and she and Elaine and Min are hanging out in a mostly empty street early morning, fall May. They have this like super secret plan all set up that like, They can send signals to each other and whatever. And like the moment arrives where the coast is clear and there's Domine and Suldam in sight. And Nynaeve is white hot fury, ready to go. Oh, yes, she is. I love it so much. So she uses what she describes as a trickle of the one power and I God, really I love this I love this right it was a trickle but she uses it like Indiana Jones whip yes yes that was exactly what I thought of like the in the in the book it says like she like a whip with wah, a dust dust moat in the air that's where the western thing yeah that's where it comes from yes naive with her one power whipping whip. away I love it I also have to wonder with Nynaeve, like, what exactly is a a trickle of the one power? I love that, though, that, like, it's in her own words, Mm -hmm. too. So, like, there could be narrator bias, but... Right. But... I like to think that since she is that powerful, Mm -hmm. that it, for her, was not something... Anything. Extremely powerful. Yeah. It's just the way that she used it. It was powerful. It was right. And she's been, like, thinking about how to do this for weeks. Like, and she finally gets this moment, and it's basically like a now or never. Like, they get to do this. They have this really tiny window of time. And (laughs) this is one of those sections where I super love Elaine and Min, because Nynaeve is like, if they give us away... Be so mad at them, like Elaine's bouncing on her toes as she likes to do. I can't even imagine what that looks like, but it's it's goofy and fun, and I love that they're there. The Soldam and Domine at this point standing in the street, the collar has fallen off of the Domine because of this 
one power whip that Nynaeve has used and the Domine punches the Soldam in the face hard enough that her knees fucking buckle. <laughs> yes! Yes! And mm -hmm. Elaine feels the same way. Like, she runs up the street. She's like, good for you! Like, yeah. I, Elaine, it's so good. It's so if, good. If Amazon plays their cards right, this could be one of the, like, most fun scenes 100 percent. this because is I can such just, a I can, good scene yeah i can just see i think it's kira coveney the mm -hmm. actress for elaine i can just see her like running up the her fist and being so excited like yeah yeah you get her <laughs> yeah it's just so cute it is and i mean there's nothing stealthy about it you no. know like she no. shouts she's like yeah <laughs> The only thing that's, like, working in their favor right now is how scared everyone in Falme is yep. to yeah. even make eye contact with the Soldom and Domine. So yeah, it's they're like... completely cowed at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also, so, okay, the Soldom is startled, of course. The Domine runs away, and... Nynaeve and Elaine and Min descend upon this woman and Nynaeve shoves rags in her mouth and it's so her stinky good. fish rags. Yeah. <laughs> because they're staying in an inn below or above like a fishmonger. So she like puts these like I can these stinky oily I can like feel it, see gross. it yeah. right? You take those fish rags and you like it. Uh, eat it. Uh. Eat it. And you know, the thing about, this is why I get so hyped about these chapters, is all of the ones ahead of them are so dour. You know, yeah. like we've talked about how hopeless some of the situations the last have two, felt. The last two recordings were kind of somber yeah. because of it. I just, I couldn't get like hype about anything. Right? <laughs> but these chapters are like... Okay, so we have Nynaeve, May, May, Min, Elaine, drag the Soldam off. They pick up the collar. Everybody has decided that nothing is going on. Everything is fine. And they get away with this part of their plan. And the next step is to switch it around so that Nynaeve is the Soldam and Elaine will be wearing the collar. And... In the process of this happening, what is it that makes Nynaeve snap the collar on the Soldam? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure she's just pissed at this point. She's thinking about what this would do to Elaine psychologically. Okay. And the Soldam is already like on her bad side and I think she's just you know like white hot with anger and so it was just like you know what you I'm gonna yeah. try this yeah and, and it's it's so it's such a good point to put into the story because up to this point it's just been Egwene's experience and what she's been through on this end of the collar and how else would we get a perspective of what it's like to like be the Soldam if this had not happened so Nynaeve realizes that she can't possibly put this on Elaine and 
when she does put the collar on the Soldam, the Soldam laughs at her. Like, this isn't how it works. Right. You're not going to be able to do anything to me. And Nynaeve is like, you know what? I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> and then the Soldam has the oh shit moment. Right? And I mean, like, for real oh shit. Like, she knows. She knows what Nynaeve can do through the bracelet. She knows what this connection can be. And I mean, that makes Nynaeve even angrier, which, yes. She's saying how angry she is for having to wear this filthy yes! bracelet. She's like, this is wrong. Just touching it, having it on my skin makes me feel filthy and dirty. Yeah. And it's making her even more angry. Like, how dare you? How dare Justified. you this? And enjoy it. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. And she, like, like the Soldam's name is Seta. And she offers them gold and all kinds of things. Like, just let her go. She won't say a word to anyone. Just take the collar off of her. Because she knows what it means to be a Domine. And she knows the collar works on her. Which means she should be collared. So... She goes along with Nynaeve and Elaine and Min's plan of her being the Domine and Nynaeve being the Saldam, and they are going to walk straight into the house that has all of the women who can channel in it. And I love this moment because, like, Seth is like, where are we going to go? And <laughs> what is it? Min's like... To dance with the dark one. And Elaine's like, into the lion's den. And Nynaeve is like, oh my god. <laughs> and I Are, you the drama? Are you the drama? Are you the drama? You're the drama. I love it. It's just so, like, when moments like this happen, it just makes it feel even more euphoric in some way. Because it's just endearing these fierce girls are going to save themselves so off they go elaine's even like gowan's going to eat his heart out when he finds out about this and like yeah so i love this i absolutely love that this is where we start this is this chapter and then it just gets better but real quick bill doman is still hanging out in the harbor waiting for Nynaeve, and i really just want to think of this as bill doman being a man of his word you know, like, I don't want to think about it as like he's just waiting for them because they can channel. I want to think about him as like, I told them I would be here. So here I am. The point of view switches over to Rand. He's with Hearn, Ingtar, Perrin, and Matt. And so this is the five who ride forth. They are in, like, they head down into Fall May and they see a Grom and Rand and Hearn are both like, what the mm -hmm. fuck? Like, not again. This isn't right. Where this is, it feels like a fever dream, right? Like they can't believe what they are seeing, it doesn't make sense. Yep, Rand's even like, Did have we even left for Falme yet? Like, yeah, like, are we still in the portal stones? Exactly, is just how is it our imagination? How is it possible for them to be here? And he's like, You know what? Doesn't matter. More important things, Hearn and Matt both point to a house where Fane has obviously been several, several times, and Matt can feel the dagger. And it's guarded, so Ingtar suggests that they go around to the back because apparently people don't 
guard their back entrances as well. And he's right. They're able to get through <laughs> a garden. Convenient. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had the same thought. I was like, Meh. I mean, there was Sean a guard, one guard. <laughs> Maybe they just. Overconfident guard. Oh, Angtar. I'm excited that we are at this point for Angtar, which sounds kind of weird. Anyway, so Angtar hops over a garden wall, takes out the one guard there. The five of them head into the house. They go through unnoticed. I have a feeling that a lot of this has to do with the fact that there are three Taviran all hanging out together, too. Like, that moment when the girl walks out and just turns without without even looking at them. Like, I don't know about you, but when I come to, like, anything, I always look both ways. So all I can think is, like, three Taviran, three Taviran, three Taviran. That explains everything. It could also be, like, I don't... I don't know if everyone in the house is Sean Chen. Mm. I mean, like, is there a possibility that they picked up servants and wait staff from people that were still in Falma so that, like, they had maybe some outsiders that were just kind of in the same situation as the villagers Ooh. inside of Falma where, like, they're afraid to look at the Saldam where they're like, nope, didn't see anything, just going to keep my head down and do my job. Like, I've got no- nothing to say here, nothing to see. <laughs> Carrying a tray of bread. like Yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know, like, if, if it were me, mm-hmm. I'd be, like, angry that, you know, my country has been invaded. Right. And then you have to possibly work for the invaders. Mm-hmm. I'd turn my head the other way, I think, too. Well, and she's she's dressed in one of the, like, super transparent robes. And so if you were a person from the Westlands, that would be even worse. Right. Like, can you imagine, like, when they pulled men away, mm-hmm. they're like, you're going to be a servant. Like, we don't know what to do with you. We're going to give you a new job. So mm-hmm. she was kind of, like, forced to be something she's not. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like wherever they show up, they're kind of just like, you do this, you do that, you work for me now. Mm-hmm. Maybe this house that they commandeered for Lord Turok already had a wait staff and they just made them stay on because This they is your new livery. Yeah. <laughs> Put this see-through dress on and, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And there's also that point when Min is talking about wearing the dress where she was like, the person who told her to wear, like, that she had to either wear a dress or nothing, basically. What she had said was, Everyone has their place, and their place must be readily apparent. So it makes absolute sense that that would be what they would do, just come in and make everybody, yeah, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Okay, cool. (laughs) I have to reread the chapter and see if there's any clues, but. No, I mean, it, it, that makes sense, and. I like it better than it being, like, the power of Tiberian. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice the Taviran, I guess, way of things where things mm-hmm. always just work out. But sometimes I like things to be reality based. Like, yeah. Not, I mean, there is a 
suspension of disbelief because to Viren, they right. I mean, it, yeah. they can get away with everything, but and I, they I usually do. Like, do. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I. So I'm glad that I brought that up and asked about it because it does. That really goes back into how the yeah I do kind of wonder you know we can save that part for spoilers I was I want to talk about whether or not they think that this is like the possibility of a liberation like when yeah like when Nynaeve and Elaine and Min are going after the Domine and Saldam it's obvious that the one power is being used because Mm -hmm. that's the only way you'd be able to take down a Saldam and Domine. So that to most people in the Westlands automatically translates into Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. So if you see Aes Sedai taking out a pair like that, maybe there's more coming. And if you see a group of armed individuals coming into the Lord's house, perhaps this is another indication for potential liberation. Yeah. I don't really think that that needs to be saved for spoilers because I just said everything. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> if we want to add to it later, we can. But like, I I like how I like how complex these situations can be because they definitely layer us up for the books that are coming too. Because this is just going to keep like pushing out. I mean, we have twelve like, more books to go. I like our theory better than Severin. So, yeah, yeah, me too. Um, canon. Do you just make that canon? Can yeah, we make sure, that decision? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Everyone from now on. <laughs> I won't reread the chapter to look for clues to see if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> because you're just right. <laughs> anyway, so they do end up in a room. We're back to Matt, Rand, Perrin, Ingtar, Hearn. They're in the room with the horn and the dagger and Matt picks up both and crows in triumph and I love this about Matt because oh Matt like he's feeling good at the moment I don't blame him and Hearn's been going around the room and removing these screens from the windows and as he does so Rand looks out the window and lo and behold he sees a queen in a garden like he had no idea she was there just none and now all of a sudden he's like a queen's here and she's wearing one of those collars and of course like by the time other people get to the window she's not there anymore and Perrin and Matt are like are you sure and then before like any decisions can be made about that Lord Turek shows up dun, dun, dun. he <laughs> he had expected it to be Fane which makes sense you know yeah. Like, he's the one who's been around and blah, blah, blah. But it's not. It's these guys. And so Turok is, like, being all, and now you shall die. And he's got soldiers with him and his servants with him. And there's this production of him taking off his robe and everything. I, I really loved, like, how he's... I mean, this is such a boss battle, like something that you would expect. It's very cartoony. Like his servants are taking his robe off for him, and he's got all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel threatened, and he's got his dangly fingernails, and Ryan's like, what are you going to do? How can you even hold anything? Like, it's just cool. It's cool. Yeah, and like he's shirtless underneath. And he's wearing, like, these long pleated pants with, like, a blue sash. And, like, Mm -hmm. apparently he's very muscly. So, 
real curious to see if this happens in the show what I Lord Tarak is going these, to look like, like. Very like samurai karate stretches yes! where like the like the, he looks kind of soft at first, but then he kind of like stretches and yes. you can see like the muscles in his neck. <laughs> and then Rand's kind of like, oh shit, like where Turok was like hiding some physique under that right? robe. And Turok is like, you interrupted my morning cough and now I'm pissed. <laughs> now I have to do my morning calisthenics early. Damn you. And like the whole time he's just like super cool about everything. But then one of the soldiers approaches the group. Matt reaches out with a dagger and slashes the guy's hand. And oh my God. Oof. This would be good to see. Like, this is my kind of. I am, Tracy, I am terrified this does not happen in the TV show. Oh God. I, they can't take this away. They just can't. Rand's not a blade master. I know. I mean, I'm like, more... it's not going to be. Unless they somehow speed through Rand learning the sword forms in, like, I don't know, like, six episodes or something. Yeah. I just don't know how this is going to work out. And yeah. It terrifies me. Yeah. I do, I think, I think we've talked about it before, but I do kind of hope that, like, Lan and Moraine, like, end up on Rand's trail and somehow travel with him like and maybe we do like a quick yeah 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 like a quick this is what's happened this is where we are however many months later because I mean really even at this point Rand is still not trained trained with the sword like there's no way he's blade master level and once everybody leaves like so the soldier is down and Ingtar jumps in and is like, we're no easy meat. That's one of my favorite, <laughs> like, Wheel of Time phrases. And they draw the soldiers off, which just leaves Rand and Turok. And Rand realizes for the first time that Turok has a hero mark blade of his own, and he is up against a real blade master, and he's like, I can barely balance on one foot. What the fuck am I going to do now? And he can't channel he can't channel like he's afraid to even go into the void because he knows like what's waiting there for him and whatnot but it is also obvious once he and Shark start like dancing around with each other and their swords like truck is just pushing to see what rand can do because he's like let's see what it takes to earn the heron on this side of the ocean and rand's like ah my dad gave it to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah but and i mean truck is even like where did you find that blade boy but instead of i mean he's down by the river (laughs) (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Basically. Basically, yeah. Tarak is like, where did you get that blade? Rand decides this fight is for his life, and so it's either embrace the void or die. So he does. And the fight starts to change. Tarak is like, oh, okay, so we're actually going to fight now. And then Rand has this moment where he's like, I have to end this. I have to end this now. And this is the second time in the chapter where that kind of urgency gets given to something. And it happens a few other times in these chapters as well. And I like it because it's just, it has to happen now, now, twice, right in a row. Good writing, Robert Jordan. I 
feel it. End of the battle, Rand wins. He uh, freaks out for a moment because he's never killed an actual human being before. This is the first person he has killed, and I can imagine that's quite rattling. The Shantan servants... <laughs> Seppuku. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Uh, born, born to the blood, die to the blood, or something like that. Like, they're like... Whatever. Father, son, holy blood, amen. Mm, Boom. Yeah, knife to the, the gut and out we go. So Rand is like, okay, I guess I don't have to worry about that. And they start to leave. Rand leaves. He connects with everybody else. They go to leave through the same trail as they had through the garden. <laughs> and the whole time this is ha- happening, Angtar is like, the horn. I want to touch the horn. Just please, can I hold the horn? And Matt's like running around with it like, wee! <laughs> like he even throws it over the garden wall ahead of him and like scampers up and picks it up and is like, it's not even scratched and like runs away. And I just love it. I love this moment with Matt. I can't help myself. He's a toddler. <laughs> a yeah. giant toddler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just, I don't know why I find it so appealing and just, he's just such a, he's a scoundrel. I like that. I think that's, and that's where that chapter ends, right? Like them running away from the house or trying to. Scrambling off. Yeah. Yeah. And away we go. Next chapter. Away we go. So chapter 46 is to come out of the shadows. Mm -hmm. We are switching back to Nynaeve's point of view, and she's with Elaine and Min and Seta. And Seta hears this commotion as they approach the Domine quarters, and she's keeping her head down and basically running out of fear of being recognized. So I think Nynaeve even thinks, like, if this leash hadn't (laughs) been on her to hold her, Mm -hmm. she would have been, like, running ahead of me. It makes me think of my dogs, like when we're on squirrel. a walk, <laughs> a rock, a walk. Yes, squirrel, like an off their, like they're so like eager to get to the next point. So yeah, that's all I could think of when Nynaeve had that thought was dogs pulling on leashes. Yeah. So they enter the quarters and they find Egwene and for a moment she thinks that she's dreaming and Egwene is like... Like, almost, like, happy tears. She's like, I just, I, it's too beautiful to be true. Like, I just, I, I, this can't be real. Like, this is this a dream? And you can tell, like, she just wants to kiss, you know, Nynaeve on the cheek. And there's this moment of, like, joy. And then the joy turns venomous. She mm-hmm. wants Seta to feel as though she's being boiled alive. And she wants payback. Yeah. So... Egwene announces Seta's secret that the mm-hmm. Soldam are learners, not sparkers, but they can be taught to channel. <laughs> what? Learners, not sparkers. I like That's it. That's what they're called. Is it? You're either a learner or a sparker. Yeah. I didn't know that. I love it. <laughs> it's like adorable. It's a spark. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. So, Seta so could learner, be taught to channel. Sparker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's why, like, when they bring girls away, like, I guess if you're in Shanchen and you go to a village, you will be, I guess, 
felt with the one power and they can see if you have the ability to channel or mm-hmm. if you can be taught. So like that's how they divide the two camps for mm-hmm. Saldam or Domine. Yeah. So, I think a queen talks about it like they have like a feast day for it. And like every woman gets tested with the collar and they gets an opportunity to see if the bracelet works for them. Mm-hmm. And and of course, yeah. everybody wants to wear the bracelet. Right? <sighs> okay. Ugh. Yeah. So, Reyna enters, who is Egwene's, like, main, main Saldam. Yeah. And she knows Seta is, like, the next Saldam who trains her, I guess. So, mm-hmm. she knows both of these women well. Yeah. And... Reyna enters, and Egwene smashes this pitcher into her stomach, and she falls, and Egwene takes the collar and collars her with it. And she puts the bracelet on and begins torturing Reyna, and Nynaeve mm-hmm. convinces Egwene to stop, and Egwene breaks down and starts crying, and Nynaeve kind of, like, soothes her, and I can just see... Egwene being completely inconsolable and Nynaeve just kind of like they're thereing her and sad. Yeah. So Nynaeve seems to be the only one right now who doesn't want to kill anyone, which right. is saying a lot because mm-hmm. Nynaeve is usually the very angry one. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, you two, talking to Reyna and Seta, she's like, I'm leaving you two here, and mm-hmm. this is your punishment. Like, this mm-hmm. is justice. Mm-hmm. And they can't go anywhere because if they move the collars, they'll get sick. The so, bracelets. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Really. The bracelets. Yeah. yeah. They, the leash. Yep. If they move the leash, they'll get sick. So they're stuck there. Yeah. And if they are, they, and it's not if, they will be found. Mm-hmm. And if they are wearing these collars, it is going to be known that the collars work on them. Everyone this... will know their dirty secrets and they will yep. have a life of slavery. Yeah. So, yippee. She leaves them. And the group leaves only to come face to face with Sean Chen's shoulder. Sean Chen shoulders? <laughs> Sean Chen soldiers in the street. And Nynaeve is just saying, like, just keep walking, keep your head down, we'll walk right by him. We'll, everything's yep. fine. And she's kind of, like, repeating this to herself like a mantra. And as she is making her way, Egwene freaks out and starts yep. channeling, and she's making the earth crack, and it's throwing the soldiers up into the air and to the side. Mm-hmm. And now their cover is completely blown, and everyone is witnessing this moment of channeling in the yeah. streets. Yeah. And so Nynaeve is just like, ah, fuck it. Like, here we go. <laughs> so she starts channeling lightning, mm-hmm. and it is just chaos and mayhem and the town just sounds like it's exploding there are giant balls of fire being thrown through the air the saldam are throwing fireballs at them and it is just like pure chaos all-out war and then you switch (laughs) to bale doman's point of view and you can see him on the docks he's looking afar and he's like that doesn't look like any lightning i've ever seen before Mm -hmm. and 
he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Uh oh, and his <laughs> men start raising the axes to cut the ropes so that the ship yes. can take like, off. Go. And yeah, and Bale Doman rips the axe out of one of his men's arms, and he's like, "You put this down. I'm the captain of the ship. You will not do anything until I say." And he's That's kind right. of like left as like, "Light, save me. These women better hurry. I don't know how much time I can wait." I mean, we're talking about war here. Mm-hmm. Then we switch to Joffrey Bornhold's point of view, and he sees this chaos as well. So we've got the lightning, the fireballs, everything's going like wild fire in the sky, mm-hmm. and he's looking out at his men, and he's like, "Well, I guess, I guess it's time." Yeah. So he has his battalion of commanders, or he has his battalion of white cloaks and he tells them to advance yeah but at first slowly yeah. so they i just see them in a line yep like stretched across these hilltops and they are walking in a like line mm-hmm. down and over these hills right into battle yeah then we switch to Rand's point of view and he and the men are trapped in an alleyway. Ingtar starts speaking to himself, and he's kind of just babbling. And we learn that he is the one who let Padon Fane into Faldara. And he knew about Fane's arrow that almost struck the Amarlin seat, or perhaps Rand. He's not sure who the arrow was intended for. Mm-hmm. We can guess. Mm-hmm. So... He wants to use the horn to save Shinar from the blight, and he yeah. wants this as salvation. Mm-hmm. He says, why should we be destroyed for them when we could make our own peace? So here's the heart of Ingtar's, I guess, situation. Mm-hmm. Shinar is the kingdom that keeps all of the Westlands safe from the Blight, from Trolloc attacks. Mm-hmm. And year after year, day after day, the attacks c- come more often and yep. with more fervor, and he can do nothing about this. It's, yeah. it's, I guess, just made him angry, I don't know, despondent, jaded. wants to give up, jaded. Yeah. And he well, realizes, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's also seen like firsthand kingdoms that have fallen to the blight. He knows it's possible for Shinar to become completely overrun. And he's like, these Southlanders only think that Trollocs and Merdral are are Gleeman's tales. tales." Yeah, I mean, Rand and the crew all thought that that was exactly what they were when they first saw them. Mm -hmm. And he is like, his whole life, like when we first meet Ingtar, he says something like, that is who I am. Like when he's off to like the blight to to fight against that Trolloc horde that's coming out and potentially coming down on Fall May. He's like, this is why I am. So I can understand to an extent really feeling completely despondent and maybe the only way for salvation is joining Make an the... an alliance with the shadow? Yeah, joining the enemy. Like... I don't know. It's 
I still remember reading that the first time and how it felt. I mean, I was like 16 or whatever. So I, I wasn't looking for him to be a dark friend. And I mean... The main I'm characters. Still not exactly sure, like what his end game was. Same, same. So it's I, I, I understand like the attempt to like put in this big emotion filled moment for him to recant. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not as tight as it could be. I agree. That's a good observation. Yeah. But it doesn't make me feel for Ingtar any less. Yeah. So yeah. when Rand is saying that he's ready to give the Horn of Valir up so that he can go after Egwene and save a friend, Ingtar is like, wow, like you really want to do the right thing. And this is what changes Ingtar. And he's like, you were ready to give it up to save a friend and you weren't thinking of glory. And he's like, light, help me, you know? Mm -hmm. He's basically on his knees right now. Like, just, yeah. So, yeah. Ingtar gets up and he's got his back straight and he stands tall and confident as ever like a weight is being lifted off his shoulders and he runs off to save Rand's group and make kind of like a distraction so that they've got time to escape and Mm -hmm. as he runs off he doesn't he yell like for Shinova for the light and Shinova so well and the part that like yeah when Rand says goodbye to him and like does the whole um he does the border. The last lands. embrace of the mother mm-hmm. or the creator. What is it? Yeah, the last embrace of the mother welcome you home. And like Hearn is there and he hears. Hearn is like, what, what's what going is on? happening? Where, what's Ingtar doing? Yeah, at like that moment, I was like, oh my heart. Oh my God. And then it goes on to him like running off, like feeling like he did when Rand first met him, like when we first met him Mm -hmm. and he seemed like the soldier for the light, for the fierceness of the borderlands, like, that, that part always gets me. I really appreciate the name of this chapter to come out of the shadows because it works on so many different levels Mm -hmm. because we have both sides here from Egwene and the women, we've got this mercy versus vengeance versus justice versus retribution. And then on the other side with Ingtar and the men, we've got, you know, basically like turning over from the side of the shadow and having something that can change your life and make you a better person and salvation and it's interesting because Egwene wants to kill like she's justifiably just destroyed and she's she wants vengeance Mm -hmm. more than justice Mm -hmm. and Nynaeve is kind of like trying to soothe her and pull her back to the Egwene, I feel like, that she knows 
Yeah, Elaine is even like, what have they done to you? How could you want this? And Egwene is like, they hurt me over and over and over again. They hurt mm-hmm. me. And at the same time, like, when you're reading this, it is nearly impossible not to be in Egwene's shoes and be like, yeah, kill him. I don't care. Yep, same. <laughs> like, like, as a reader, you're like, eh, yeah. okay, whatever. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't shed a tear, you know? A couple less Sildam? All right. Right. But cool. at the same time, like, I also, on the reread, really come to appreciate Nynaeve kind of being in charge right here because she's the one where she's like, no, Egwene. Like don't let them change you like don't let them win by you becoming what they are and you're better than this and I really I just it's something on the reread that I'm very happy to like find myself thinking about how reluctant Nynaeve is to hurt anyone the fact I've already brought up just wearing the bracelet sickens her. Yeah. Like knowing that she can just think about hurting someone if her anger gets too fiery. Yeah. That it's like torture Mm -hmm. makes her sick. Yeah. So like I I just I love Nine for that. I do too. And that's the chapter. Yeah. I feel as though in some ways because, I mean, we talked we talked recently on the live stream for Book Club, um, like a point in the expanse where someone made the choice to just straight up kill someone as opposed to, like, keeping them for information or whatever. And, like, in that situation, I was totally like, yeah, just kill them. They have no purpose other than to fuck with people's agenda and blah, See, blah, like- blah. That's but with what's... this one, it's like Nynaeve leaving those collared Suldam sitting there where another Suldam is definitely going to walk in and find them. Like, that could take out the entire Shan Chen system. Had they mm-hmm. just left them dead, they wouldn't know that the collars would work. I mean, maybe some of them have an idea, but they would push that away as hard as they possibly could. So yeah. in this situation, leave them. This is, this is the right choice, in my opinion. Yeah. And, it's, and it's also like, at the same time, I, I try to like find my empathy <laughs> and telling myself, for that. okay, they've been systematically brainwashed yeah their whole nation knows no better yeah and at what point after so many generations do people just become spineless or like completely accepting of what their role is right you know like i have to wonder with that sold soldam domine pair that nynaeve frees I'm going to bet that that Domine was not from Sean Chen. I'll bet it was like a recently captured woman. Yeah. And she was like, you back. know what? Yeah. Fuck this shit. I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Because like it's the, it's, the, it's the Domine 
who will regularly announce this person's channeling something is happening Mm -hmm. and if the caller comes off of them they freak the fuck out like it's just the idea of putting that into people's heads so they feel that way about themselves is just horrid it's it's also a little bit of like a philosophical question Mm. i mean you brought up the expanse but this person made the choice to come like basically i think chemically alter himself so that he had no remorse for anything Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. he did like it's like a procedure where they take away like any empathy yep yeah whatsoever Mm -hmm. so that you can be laser focused on your work and not have to think about anything in terms of morality or what is right and what is wrong Uh so like this person made the choice knowing exactly what it would do to him and in that case, I feel like I have no sympathy because there was agency <laughs> there and they made the choice. But then when mm-hmm. I think of the Sean Chen, do they really, like, do you know any better if you're a small yeah. child and this is what you're taught? Mm-hmm. I mean, tough questions. Yeah, no, it's a really, that's a really good point. And there is a lot in this particular, I mean, I even found someone's master's thesis written on the use of slavery in fantasy and Jordan's work was used for it. And I love that his writing has the ability to bring about questions like this because there are things that we still think about, like the dehumanization of other people happens still constantly all the time. So this isn't just something that happens in fantasy and it's not just something that's happened in our past. So to be able to talk about it through fiction softens it in some ways to make it more approachable, accessible, something. It broadens awareness that some things are just bad. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean... There are people out there, they don't want to read a history book. Right. That's boring for them. Yeah. So if you can approach it in terms where they're reading about their favorite character, yeah, it it's helps. A little, it's a little different. Yeah. It, I History books can be really boring. <laughs> so anyways, chapter anyway, 47. Great writing, Jordan. So chapter 47, the grave is no bar to my call. We have Matt, Perrin, Rand, our dudes, are all leaving, and Rand is running out. They're wondering where Ingtar is. Rand is like, he's dying, and he's saying this harshly because, oh my gosh, so much has just happened. And he explains that Ingtar is dying so they can get away, which they do. They run away, they get outside of Falme, they get to the top of a hill, and Rand remembers Egwene is still back there. And he starts to feel like there are these threads, these pieces of him that are in danger, and he has to go back to Falme. Now! Now! So he's like, we he is like, you guys take the horn back to Varen. I'm gonna go back to Falme and find Egwene. And Matt and Perrin are like, 
you're not going back by yourself. Matt's even like, saving a queen isn't wasting time. And I'm like, oh, Matt, yes. He's starting to become a character. I think that's why I'm excited. But they turn to look at Falmey, and Falmey has all these soldiers pouring out along the border of the city and Soldam by the score lined up. And they're like, well, we're not going to be going back into Falmey, so that's not going to happen. And then looking off to the other way is that line of white cloaks that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So they are sandwiched between a white cloak army and a Shanshan army. And what are they going to do? And Matt looks at the Horn of Valir, and they all look at Matt, and they all look at the Horn of Valir, and Matt's like, nothing says it can't. Yeah, nothing says we can't use it now. So he does. Oh, my God. So Horn of Valir, and we get mist that rises up as though out of nowhere. And then we slip over to Jeffrey Bornhold, and he's like, fuck, the Sean Chen are up to something. My buyer will never see how I actually died to be able to tell my son. <sighs> anyway, so then, let's see here, whose viewpoint is it next? Do we go back to Rand after that? I think that's right. So we now have Rand meeting all the heroes of the horn, and they're like- lush eagle eye. Brigida, Geidel Kane, King. Arthur Hawkwing. Yes. They're all there. They're all there. All the big names. And Arthur Hawkwing approaches Rand and is like... Jason Statham. Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> all of the action heroes of the... I don't know any, apparently. 80s and early 90s. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Oh, there you riding go. his horse. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do we need to include him on a the motorcycle? Governator. Yes! <laughs> The crossover we needed and didn't know we needed. So Archer Hawkwing addresses Rand as Luce Theron. And Rand is like, why would everyone just stop calling me that? And he's like, that's not me. And they're all like, whatever. And he's like, well, I guess there's trouble. So what are we doing? And, and then Hulk Hogan comes down. <laughs> And starts picking up white cloaks and throwing them. Front and... face DDT. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Austin was there. Oh my god. Stone Cold Stunner. Oh all god. the Sean Chen. How do you dust. know all these things? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Randy, the Macho Man Savage. I know all these names, but I couldn't think them up. Without the internet, so <laughs> you're amazing. You need to spend more time on Discord because this are the this is the stuff that we talk about. Is it okay? I'll do my best. It's hard. Things never mind. Let's talk about this because we've got Brigida kind of laughing when Rand is like, "There are Sean Chen and a girl." And I need to save the girl. You guys should take She's care like, of the Sean Chen. You and your women. Exactly. And they all kind of think this is funny. So apparently this is just his thing, which I think really feeds into your idea that maybe he's a bit of a womanizer. Right? So. Lose? Yeah. Yeah. So they are like, okay, well, we're ready to go do this. But I feel stuck. Where's the banner? And Rand, of course, has had the dragon banner in his saddlebags this entire time. We've had it mentioned 
a gajillion times how he almost left it behind, but he brings it with him and he saved it from fires. And now, now is the time it is needed. And so he pulls it out and Matt's like, fuck, you really are the dragon reborn. Okay, this is happening. Perrin gets down from his horse and goes and cuts down a sapling so that he can make a pole so they can tie the banner to it. And then he becomes the banner man and they all go right off into the mist heroically. Wah, wah, wah. Tumbleweeds mm-hmm. made of like celestial cloud and stardust. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because we do have this really weird image of Falme from above and Falme from below. And they're just the two sides of the battle. And all of a sudden, Rand is not with everybody else anymore. And I hate Sky Battle. You hate Sky Battle? I hate Sky Battle. It always feels like a cake to me. A cake? Yeah. I know that sounds weird, right? A cake? <laughs> Because there's stuff I wasn't happening. Sure I heard you right. No, I said a cake. It, because there's stuff happening below, in the middle, and on top. It's a many-tiered battle. Yeah, yeah, with fountains. If you're in the '80s, they liked that. Fountains, like little bridges that connected all of the many pillars oh, of cakes gross. that you had. Do you remember that? Weddings oh. from the '90s. I had plenty of those to go to. Oddly enough. Anyway, cake bridges. <laughs> oh my God! A white tower made out of cake. Yes! No. I can just get a penis cake pan. It'll be really easy. I'll make it look like... Okay, I'm done. I am done. Balsamon! bachelorette party must have been lit. It was really fun. I had burlesque dancers and no no penises. Focus. Focus. Anyway. Um, so we have this battle with Balsamon because, of course, he pops up out of the clouds like he does in every nightmare. Rand falls off of his horse, and instead of landing on ground, it feels like he landed on a pile of fucking Charmin toilet paper. I don't know. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, this it part I can live without. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bakery themed. I love it. So, of course, we have this, like, verbal and physical battle with Balsamon and Rand. And at the end of it, Rand makes the decision that this is his moment to sheathe the sword in his own body. And he assumes... Did you get Karate Kid vibes when he's yeah. doing the last move? Yeah, like crane kick? The crane yeah, kick? Yeah, yeah. Like one yeah. Like, Look at up, look at how vulnerable I am. Yes, that's what I saw. That's exactly what I saw. <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous. Like in my Come head, at me, bro. Yeah, Come Rand's me, whole outfit changes. He's wearing like a karate outfit. A yeah, he even has like a band around his head and everything. Like everything changes for me. Oh my me. gosh! Doesn't he have? Isn't he wearing one of those on one of the old book covers? I really feel like he's wearing. I think you're right. Or maybe I'm just thinking of Lan, and the Hidori feels no, like I... Axel Rose. Do we look? Dare we? It's not on these two. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing headphones. <laughs> Tracy just choked herself yeah, out. Yeah, right. No, it's not on either of those. It's on it's on one of these book covers though, right? 
I really feel like it is, but it could be my mind playing tricks on me. No, I think you're right. But like the rest of the ones that I have are are these. The big ones. So they have different cover art. Sorry, that was Cad Swain and I got excited. Okay, I know you told me to focus, but I was real curious if that was actually on one of my book covers and they sit right there next to me. End of the battle, Rand is wounded. Bialzaman, Bialzaman has once again. <laughs> Western theme. <laughs> Good old Bialzaman took his boots and walked himself home. I don't know if that's actually a Western thing or not, but I think that's a great place to end that chapter. <laughs> What you left out is that Baalzaman uses his staff and... Oh, yes! Thank you! Burns slash jabs a Skewers. hole in side. Mm-hmm. So Ran is injured. Yeah, wounded pretty but bad. But he won. But he wins. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And, of course, we have that, like, now everything fades out and we go to the next chapter thing. We now switch to Min's point of view, which is her very first point of view. Is it? I hadn't it noticed. Is. Ooh, that's fun. So she notices, looking in the distance, that Vale Doman's ship has left without her. She doesn't know where anyone is at. She is alone. And while looking out to the sea, she sees a figure on the horseback. <laughs> On horseback, seemingly riding over the water, shooting arrows at one of the last Shanchen ships, and the ship flees. This has to happen. Just in the show, this has to happen. No, if it no. doesn't please happen, no horse riding on no. the water. Amber, come on, come on! It would be I'll, so cheesy. I will throw rotten tomatoes at my TV screen. <laughs> so, what a mess. She is drawn to a large house with a courtyard and finds Ran in the back, basically dying underneath a tree. So Rand is laying there and his sword has burned into the palm of his hand and he now has a heron mark on both palms. He is really cold, so she's, like, dragging him inside this manor. And he's big. She's small. It's hard. <laughs> she pulls him upstairs, lights a fire, puts him in bed, gets him all tucked in, and she realizes that he doesn't even have the body heat to warm up the blanket. So mm -hmm. he's just an ice cube. So she crawls into bed with him thinking, he's going to die. I don't know what I can do. I can't leave to find anyone. This is all I can do. And then Equine walks in and has a moment <laughs> seeing Min laying with Rand in bed. And Egwene she's... isn't quite sure what to say, but she is not happy about it. Yeah, I mean. Min reminds her that she has discarded Rand, which yep. is fair. Yeah, Elaine's been the one who's been talking about picking up Rand. Min hasn't said anything about it, so this has got to be, like, a bit of a shock for a queen on top of it, you know? Right, and then Min is like, don't judge me, he's dying and he's losing body heat, which, fair. Mm -hmm. So 
Egwene leaves to get help and then a woman appears. She is beautiful and snow white and silver and she in she introduces herself as Lanfear. Lanfear is Celine. Celine is Lanfear. Lanfear is one of the Forsaken. Dun dun dun. So she walks up, lays her hand on Rand's forehead, seemingly drawing the dragon's fang on it. Yep. And she says, Loose Theron is mine, and then disappears. Yep. And Rand starts to stir, seemingly somewhat healed now. So I guess that happened. Yeah. Then we switch to Child Byer's point of view. And he is <sighs> one of our lovable white cloaks, not. I hate he, him. He believed he was betrayed by dark friends. Yep. All of the white cloaks were betrayed by dark friends and Sean Chen or in Falma. And Geoffrey Bornhold is dead and Child Buyer blames the dark friend Perrin. Yep. And he will go tell the tale of Perrin, the yellow-eyed dark friend, to Dane Bornhold's son who is named Dane Bornhold, and he will also tell the Lord Captain Commander, Pedro Nile, also. Yep. Side note, Min reveals that she knows that Rand will be in a relationship with three women. She will be one of them. She doesn't want to be, but fate, prophecy, something, I don't know. Yeah. And scene end don't know how i feel about that yeah, i don't know either yeah i mean spoilers spoilers yes spoilers. yeah i mean let's just roll Spoiler with it time yeah hey everyone no ad this week just an announcement we have recently opened listener support on anchor this means that you, our listeners, can help us expand our project through monthly donations. The three tiers are for 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 per month. This is not like Patreon where there are perks for specific tiers. However, monthly support would enable us to do listener giveaways on a regular basis, as well as hire help with managing our hefty workload. We put our hearts fully into the content we create, but we can only do so much as two people. On top of that, we are in the process of developing a few additional projects that we can't wait to share with you. Your support of the podcast, of us, means more than we can ever say. If you are interested in contributing, there is a link available in the show notes. As always, thank you for being with us and enjoy the rest of the episode. Honestly, I felt this week I had so much more in, like, the spoiler-free section than I have in a while. And it was nice because, like, yeah. So I feel like I'm a little light on spoilers this week. So the only the only thing that's on our dock for spoilers for Chapter 45 is where is Fane? Uh, where the heck was Fane when all of this was going down in Falma? What was he doing? I mean, was he fleeing? Was he already on his way to the two rivers? I actually... And what's he doing? I actually had a thought about that when... You we no, when you were talking about it in the spoiler-free section, um, so we have the Shanchen fleeing, the White Cloaks approaching Falme. 
we know that Carradine is still floating around Almuth Plain with his groups of white cloaks. So maybe Fane has been hanging out in Falme. White cloaks come into Falme. They are now the source of power. He latches onto them, and that's how he gets his group of white cloaks and takes them to the two rivers. Does that make sense? Because I don't know, like, I, I know I don't remember a lot of things. It's just kind of how my brain is. But I can never remember how Fane ends up with, like, his own battalion of corrupted white cloaks. And it would make sense if, like, from this point he somehow managed to, like, pick them Snag up. Snag a few? Yeah, because, I mean, Rand was so close. Rand was so close. And he lost the dagger and he lost the horn and he didn't get to go after Rand. And so he's going to do exactly what he threatened to do and head off to Emmons Field and start making life miserable for the people that Rand mm-hmm. loves. So, like... And, I mean, the White Cloaks are big dummies. Most yeah. Of them anyways, they're not the most intelligent people. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense if he kind of sees an opportunity in the chaos. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we know he's Fane slash more death. So he's going, if he can fool rulers and lords and whatnot into like believing what he has to say, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be able to dupe some white cloaks. And I mean, we don't get like a full on destruction of every single white cloak that was there. So it would make sense if like the command structure has failed for Fane. Fire made it out. Yeah. I mean, he was supposed to. He, like, Bornhold wanted him to go off and, like, tell this mm-hmm. story to everybody. And unfortunately, Byer, like, focused all on Perrin and, like, was like, the Shanchen are a side note. And I love it right? because later on, the Shanchen come land on the Sun Palace or whatever. What is the, uh, the Dome the- of Truth? Is that the name of the <laughs> something? There's something with the white cloak. Schloss Sunshine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was the, that was kind of like my, my thought process with Fane after like kind of thinking about what kind of chaos would be left behind after this had happened. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm just, I'm not sure why he wouldn't stick around and still try and go after the horn and the dagger. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he thought that if he took off with, like, a group of soldiers of his own to command, that he would be able to bring all of those things to himself, which... He should be able to sense the dagger, though, shouldn't he? I was just thinking about that. Like, did he think that all three of them would come did he think that rand would be in possession of the dagger does he think that they're all just hanging out carrying the horn of valier along with them everywhere they go okay wait there are a lot of plot holes here yeah that's what i'm saying that's that's why that's the question where was fame ah interesting huh yeah i mean if he would have gotten the horn and dagger back. The story would get way too 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fane as a character is so bizarre. I And I mean, I think Tom calls it in book one where he's like, Fane is more something than man. And like, just as we go through every change he goes through, it feels like he becomes less and less and less human until he's basically just a miasma of death like well like what is his is it more death mean wormwood in the old tongue i think so yeah and isn't wormwood like what you make like real absinthe with like makes you trip your balls off (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i want to i'm pretty sure okay good you you look it up amber look it up i want to know but I'm just saying, like, he he almost does have this, like, hallucinogenic effect on the people around him where they just turn into big dopes where they're so easily influenced. Yeah, and they, like, his, his darkness seeps into everyone around him. Like, later on when we have the two white cloak groups, the one that belongs to Fane is pointed out as being dirty and you're pointing your finger at me what'd you find yes it is absent okay cool that is made with wormwood and it is hallucinogenic so yeah and he robert jordan what were you doing absent as a teen obviously (laughs) (laughs) clearly i mean how do you come up with teller honorio without being on a little something dude that bumper sticker that you made for teller (laughs) honorio makes me laugh every time i see it like I actually Get a loser. we're going to tell around Rio. I want to make one for Ruidion too. Ooh, that would be really fun. I want that one for my car. I never put stuff on my car and I want that one for my car because I think it's really funny. I don't really have anything else for Blademaster for for spoilers. I feel like that one was like a lot of like Epic, what epicness Yeah, fighting. like what was needed now. Not necessarily like what are we building up to later. And I mean that's even like something that I mentioned in the in the thing was like everything was about now and I I liked how that got like layered through there there's even that point later on where Rand just gets it like stuck on repeat have to have to have to like he has to get back like there's danger in Falme and he needs to get there so I feel like there's, there's a lot of chapters in this book but specifically I'm thinking of Lord Barthanis's manor where Tom shows up and yeah. I remember that one being really interesting to me even though there's not a lot of action except for the waygate thing which is Meh. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But Blademaster might be better than The Grave is no bar to my call just I think it I, is. Yeah, I think it's just one of these like fun action. Mhm chapters that robert jordan's just really good at writing yeah i mean he could have written for he did did he write for tv i think i honestly don't know but i that's one of the things that makes this chapter so good is you feel the movement like right like everything like an episode of season finale episode of a like 
20 episode season yeah where you've been up and down and all around and the big battle that's supposed to happen hasn't even happened yet yep. and you're given this like big epic mini battle before yep. the main battle yeah so it's just like it's really good matt's there slashing with his dagger like yeah and yeah there's a lot of unexpected like what yeah i mean we know that the dagger is something special but we've never seen like someone shrivel up and putrefy before their eyes yeah gag on their own swollen tongue yeah gross who doesn't like a good sword fight i the the part that I really like about this is when it's described as him dropping to his knee for the final sword thrust. Like, I can see how that could be filmed so that you wouldn't even see anything, like, above Rand's head other than, like, maybe a blurred out motion of the body and head falling, you know? Yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, the 90s movie from Mortal Kombat where Johnny Cage drops and does a split and punches Goro in the family jewels. Yeah. 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 It's a good, it's a good era. <laughs> Man, I'm really stuck on the 80s and 90s this week. That's okay. it's just this book, man. I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. It's There's the period. Very nostalgic about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel that like in so many ways. I'm trying to think of what else like in. Oh. Before we get to Rand in, like, the Blade Master chapter, I don't know if we talked about it or not, but, like, with Nynaeve and Min and Elaine coming in for the rescue, they weren't expecting anyone or anything else to be happening at that time. And they were saving themselves. Like, they had come up with a plan. They weren't waiting to be rescued. And I think that that is... That's nice in a book written, especially in this period. Like, I it sounds yeah. really funny to say something like that because I'm like, this period of time, like it's a historical document. But in some ways, it kind of is. It's, I mean, it's coming up on what? 30. It's 30 years since the first book was written. And so yeah. that means that it's approaching 30 years for this. And the last 30 years has been... I don't even changed. Yeah, yeah sig- I would say significantly. So I yeah, appreciate it's hard that sometimes to be like, yeah, rah rah, girl power, save them, girl boss. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, like now, it feels a little silly being like, see what they did. Like they can save themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. At the time that it was written, it was like, okay, like. Well done. Well it, done. It made me feel good. Female empowerment. Yeah, when I was, because I mean, I was this, I was the same age as like a Green and Elaine, basically, when I was reading these books, and so. Do you know something? I just this is like, I just had like a total, like flashback, like a total. I want to know flashback recently. Okay, like, so. When these books came out, when was the first one? 93? Or 90? I think it's 92. 92? Okay, I would have been no. in, like, second second grade then. So, like, obviously I wasn't reading this. Right, right. As a... Right, no. <laughs> as a little girl. Right. But... <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm I'm picturing small small amber with like this ginormous tome of a book. You know, like the first book is not just small. Talking to somebody about this recently, because when I was young, those really goofy like covers the Animorph series was really popular yeah and that was like one of the first kind of like sci-fi things that I read as a little kid yeah and these are like advertised to children okay like they are it's a kid series Mm -hmm. I think in like I don't remember I want to say it has to be somewhere around like the fifth book or something one of the young female protagonists Okay, like, she can heal herself, so keep that in mind. Okay. She gets her arm cut off and uses it to kill something with. Like, I was reading this as a child, and it's like, oh, like, I love Rachel. Like, she's a really good fighter. And, like, this is a kid series. She gets her arm severed and then uses it to bludgeon a monster to death. And... I'm thinking about the stuff that I read. Like, the 90s were weird. Okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, like, yeah, like, the Wheel of Time, it's progressive. But it's also weird. Oh, like, yeah. There's a lot of, like, strange <laughs> things going on. And it's fun, you know? But there's yeah. also, like, that weird 90s thing where... At the same time, like, I look at something like this, and I'm like, yeah, female empowerment, that's cool. But at the same time, like, I was, what, like, seven reading about a young girl getting her arm cut off and using it to kill things with? So, like... Maybe... Maybe your... Times are strange. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your your previous experience was... uh... (laughs) Okay, 1990 is when the first book came out. 1990? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I was in kindergarten. I would have been 12 in 1990. Wow. I know. Isn't that wild? We just told everyone how old we are. Oh, I don't care. I mean, I don't mind for you if you don't, like. (laughs) But it's just, I don't know, like, there's something, there's something to, like, all of these nuances to this book where if I would have read this at, 10 or something mm-hmm. so much would have went over my head yeah so much yeah I mean and for me it did even when I was like reading it like as I was going through the series and I think I stopped reading it like in my early 20s yeah because I think Aiden was around three or four when I I even remember what house I was living in when I threw the book like I was just like done and so I didn't pick up and finish the series again until recently. And it's a very different experience than when I was younger and wasn't looking for nuance in a book like this and wasn't expecting it. But like, I love that about this series is that I could have, I read it when I was so young and I can still come back to it and be like, there's more. Wait, there's more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> An endless amount of content. It's just absurd. And I love it. I love Maybe it. Maybe we need to find some weird 90s books Ooh. to read for book club. I actually have one that I want to suggest that's really funny. And I don't know how some people will feel about it. What is it? Lamb by Christopher Moore. It's the untold story of Jesus Christ as told by his best friend, Biff. That's actually on the cover and part of the title. It's hilarious and 
like bizarre. It's so fun. Okay, if I read that, then I'll make you read Animorphs. (laughs) (laughs) But there is more than one Animorph, right? This is just one book. How many books do I have to read? Is this is this the exchange you have to? Okay, you have to read this many books for this one book versus this thing. This is how book club goes now. (laughs) The book club exchange rate is on. Uh, what's okay. even what's even better about that book is you can get a special edition of it that looks like a Bible, like it has gold pages and it's leather and it has like a little no. ribbon in it. I'll send you a picture. I'll put it on Instagram. No. If you must, I must. It is a really fun book cover. <laughs> well, uh, but other than that, but, it, but Animorphs is way more memeable. Is it? Sure. Ooh, okay. You haven't you haven't seen like. Oh, all of the memes of, like, people changing into... No? Okay. Okay. Amber. To the chat. Out to the chat. It's chapter 46. Your face looks like Turok's when he realizes that Rand's not really a Blade Master. (laughs) What are you saying? What do you mean you don't understand memes? You haven't seen these. Tracy, what is a meme? <laughs> Wait, I just learned about those a few years ago, so I'm still <laughs> catching up. Meme? <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally sit in that. Is it a gif or a gif? Who says what? It's definitely a gif. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I've heard it like I've heard it from both. I've heard it both ways from people that I consider to be really techie, so I just don't question it. Is this another thing that we have to look up? It stands for GIF as a graphics interchange format. 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 (laughs) Graphics is a G. G. Okay. GIF. So GIF. It makes sense to me. Unless someone calls it graphics. Graphics. So. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Drafics from now on. <laughs> How do you like your drafics? <laughs> For me. <laughs> we are redefining the English Chapter 46, language to come out today. of the shadows. <laughs> I do have something that I, I want to ask about this when you're done with yours. I have it written down. Okay, just very small observation, but I love Nynaeve for just being white, hot, flaming, mad. Bless her. I just don't think women are allowed to be angry enough. That's true. And I appreciate that Nynaeve can just be pissed and be allowed to be angry. And it makes me happy. So there's that. Let's Question see here. Is Ingtar the only real dark friend in the series who repents? Is would Varen be considered repentant? Yeah, but We're I don't just think she was ever out. a real I don't think she was ever a real dark friend to begin with. Okay. She was just in the wrong place like a, at the wrong time kind of thing. Well she was yeah, she was like a double agent from the beginning, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Does Pater, does Pater count? Because he was a dark friend and he 
ends up getting killed by the children of the light during Morghese's and she tries to sneak out. Yeah. Free. I think he it one him and his father or something tried to help Morghese escape, I think. But we don't really know if oh, that's repentance in, in, or if that's just him trying to get out of white cloak territory. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Like I can't I at least I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that like I was I was kind of thinking about Egonin. Is that the right name? Egonin. Yeah, she's not a dark friend, but she does go through a radical change of heart. Like going cuz like she captures yeah. some Saldam and then releases them mm-hmm. and whatnot. So like I it's guess still not technically a dark friend yeah but it does show like a a conversion from one way of thought that an individual had been completely steeped in to being a redeemer of some kind Mm -hmm. and i mean that's what ingtar is looking to do is to redeem himself like if he can hold this this group off so that the other four can get away then maybe he can save his soul in the process. And it's like the whole uh, no one can walk in the shadows so long that they can't be saved. Like that gets said so often. But I mean, you're kind of. But yeah, it's said very often. But but does it happen? I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So Ingtar is like the one out of. However many. Yeah. (laughs) thousands i mean i'm gonna put dark friends in the thousands actually well yeah the last battle i mean right it's not just trollocs there mm-hmm. so yeah last observation bella is the giant hint of these effort these chapters where i knew that the girls are not leaving by boat that's so funny because (laughs) Egwene was like when they're you know saving her Egwene is like i know what stables they took bella and they're like no Egwene, we're not leaving on horseback we're going by boat it was like that is not the end of bella's story okay she cannot Bella the horse cannot get left in Falma. In some random stable. Right? What what would happen to her right. after that? How would the story possibly go on? It couldn't. Bella? It couldn't. I mean. Last battle, Bella. Right? <laughs> the horses of Wheel of Time. I mean, Bella gets a lot of love. But as a whole, the horses of Wheel of Time should get lots of love especially mandarb i found i found an aldeeb to match like a lego white horse to match my black lego white horse that i've named mandarb so i have a mandarb and aldeeb in one of my plants hanging out since land and moraine just left them i figured i'd take care of them (laughs) mandarb is so cool very cool Grass goes in, fast comes out. When we get moments where it's like battle and being described how Lan can use Mandarb. As a weapon. uh, 
Like he's <sighs> kicking and biting and scrapping. And- right. And Lance just like using his knees and swinging his sword. And it's like, man. That's a cool horse. That's amazing. That is one cool horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So many Western references today. So many 90s references today. The only thing that I had on this is what happens to Seta and Reyna, who are, like, left collared and, mm-hmm. and like, on the wall. In the rooms? Yeah. Shadow on the wall. Um, they probably get found and become... Okay. It says... Feminine. Yeah, it says Bethamen. I'm assuming another Soldam finds Seta and Rena attempting to release each other from the Adem vomit staining their dresses. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. But apparently she freaks out and leaves them. And Alwyn is the one who then finds them. Where are you reading this at? It's in the Wheel of Time fandom. Okay. Okay, it looks as though they are left with their, like, once Alwyn finds them, Seda and Reyna end up being kept close by the High Lady's Suroth later on in Ibudar, but they're left as Soldam. They're just not allowed to link with Domine. Yeah. So how are you a Soldam if you're not allowed to link with Domine? I mean, is that... I think that... Is that, like, what they are? (laughs) I think that the idea from what I'm reading, it sounds like it's Struth knows their secret. And so she's keeping them close by to make sure that they don't somehow also spread the secret. I don't know. Okay, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they get to stay sold down. And it looks like they're present for some other things later on in in the books. But, like, I'm just mostly thinking, like, immediately after this, like, what had happened to them. Because I just couldn't, I couldn't remember. And, I mean, it makes sense that the Soldam would not want to, like, hand over the knowledge that they could be collared just as easily as mm-hmm. the women that they have been abusing. Like, they are co- they are yeah, should secret. be collared ones, so that has to be like really creepy to find out. Creepy seems underrated, like and yeah. not underrated. Whatever, my brain is starting to fade. What's our next? What's our next thing? <laughs> Chapter forty-seven. The grave is no bar to my call. Did I have anything for this? You wrote some things. Did I? That's good. Um, go ahead. Question, observation maybe, Arthur Hawkwing doesn't even really seem to address the horn blower. Mm-hmm. Like, Matt's there with the horn, he's like, hey, bud, and then he just talks to Rand the rest of the time. Yep. So. Do you think maybe he figured that Rand had been the one that blew the horn? Do you think he knows who the horn blower is? They have to know, right? I would I mean, think so. They have to, if they have to fight for this person... Mm-hmm. Like on their side, I mean, if I was standing next to my mortal enemy and blew the horn, and Arthur Hawkwing was like, "Oh, you're standing together. You must be a team." Like, good point. You know, what are we doing? Yeah, what's happening? Like, it, it 
I don't know. I mean, I guess they have the banner, but then in that case, is it you have to have the Hornblower, the banner, and the Lord Dragon? Like, does there need to be the trifecta? Plot holes. Yeah. This was, this was the same question that we came up with, I think, on the Horn of Valir mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. There's also a moment where Rand says something about how the channeling of the the Domine aren't going to or isn't going to affect the heroes of the horn. And I was like, can they die? Like, I thought that they could also be killed in battle. But is that wrong? I don't think so. They, I think, like, I think they just, like, do they just turn into mist like a ghost army? That's how I envisioned it anyways. Yeah, and I just don't. I just don't know. I mean, if Birgitta can ride her horse across water, how substantial are they? Physics does not apply. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she can do that, but her arrows have some sort of secret flaming power. Like, what? So, yeah, I guess it would make sense. Because, I mean, I think what I was thinking of is the last battle, Birgitta and the flesh killed, and then almost instantly brought back as a hero for the horn and goes off to fight the last battle. No, she does, doesn't she? I mean... Yeah, I'm just trying to... Like, I feel as though there was something that was said, like, I don't know. I think think where I'm landing on this is that they're just magic. (laughs) Yeah. They're just magic. So that's why I mean I think as time goes on like Robert Jordan kind of like fine tunes things a little bit where like Teleron Road starts to have like rules and yeah. things start to make a little bit more sense mm-hmm. but this is one of these questions where it's like yeah just like just don't think about it too much I think where yeah I can make that I can make that same argument, I guess, for like season one of the Wheel of Time. Where there are some plot holes where I'm like, just, just Amber, just don't think about it too just much. Let it, just enjoy it. Yeah, some things you just gotta let go so that you can yeah. enjoy the thing as much as you can. And I just feel like there's so few things that I have to do that with with the series that mm-hmm. I'm like willing. And I, I think. To what you were saying about how Jordan, like, starts to, like, fine-tune as he goes along, I think you were the one that had told me that he wasn't expecting to write past, like, five books for this series. At first, it was supposed to be, like, a trilogy. Yeah. And then, and like, then it, it just grew. Yeah. And, I mean, he even, he wraps up the first book in a way where, like, you could leave it hanging mm-hmm. and it would be okay. Like... People would maybe yeah. want a sequel, but if they didn't get one, there was still like a big battle. Things seemed like they were calm. Maybe we go several centuries before the next big bad thing happens. You know, like you could have yeah. left it there. That's a this. I mean, this feels like the second book of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like everything's left on a cliffhanger. What about the horn? What about the dagger? Does Rand live? You know, like. You could easily have finished the story, but instead you get more force, more lines, and more. Yeah, know, just it just snowballs, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm happy that it did. Same, same. <laughs> because Not complaining. It just gets, 
it gets better. Yeah. And then there's the slog, which people have opinions on. But, I mean, I I got to read without waiting, so maybe it didn't affect me that much. Who knows? Maybe on the reread I'll be like, what the heck is it, Andrew but, blew through it without even realizing it. Like, yeah. I think he's on book 10 now. And, like, he just went through them and was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm on book 9 now. Okay. And, like, I mean, he hasn't been listening for a minute, but, like, I was like, you got through all that, and it didn't like bother you. And he was like, no. Man, those those last three though. Oh my they, god. It just like inject the adrenaline, I guess. Yes. Like it is just like all it's right, like such... all of this, all of this shit is behind us. We are going forward. Yep. Straight forward to the end. <laughs> to, yeah. Here it is. We've got blinders on. This is the route we are going so so early early jordan is me (laughs) and later brandon sanderson finishing up the series is focused amber (laughs) 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 see together it's a magical combination you just can't beat it (laughs) okay uh did we have anything i think let's see here you had written a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, all of it. Okay, so that I talked about. Don't really care about that because you've talked a lot. Nah. Yeah, I guess, like, the only thing is, like, the way that Rand has to look at Angtar's choice and the way that he was a dark friend, wanted to redeem himself, He's someone that Rand liked. Like, he liked him. He worked with him. He respected him. And now he finds out that someone that he has been in close proximity with, has been working with, is a dark friend. So there's a lot happening for Rand right now. And I feel as though, like, part of his running away, the emotional process would be something along the lines of, like, who can I trust? After this moment, he shouldn't trust anyone except for people that he knows, like, well. Like yeah. Matt, Parent, Nynaeve, Egwene. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that he he knew, like, growing up. But, I mean, even that is a stretch because, like, look at someone like Pod and Thane. Like, he's been coming around since the time Rand was a child. Yeah. So, who can he trust, really? And this might be... On top of all the other things that he's going through, this might be one of the next, like, downward spirals for Rand. Yeah. of course, like, look what happens at the beginning of book three. He just fucks right off. Yeah. Like, he's done. He's barely in the third book. Yeah. You know? Like, he shows up in pieces, and he's paranoid, and he's scared, and he's running, like... He feels like he's got one place and he needs to go and he needs to find something out for sure. But, like, even, like, through that whole process, his trust is being eaten away through the nightmares that he has. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I feel I feel for Rand quite a bit in what he's going through. He obviously doesn't want to do this. He's very young. He's being thrown this like, you are responsible 
for saving the world and also potentially destroying it. I don't did know what I would really do with that. Did you ever think that he would destroy it? Like, did you ever think that there was a chance that he would just turn to the no. side of the shadow? No. I didn't. No. See, that's why I don't like prophecy, because it was like, oh, right, okay, he's either going to kill everyone, or he's going to be a bad guy or a good guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? Prophecies of the dragon? I think, really? I think that's why I do appreciate the really human things that he does go through, like these moments of self-doubt and not sure what's real what isn't real like the prophecy has nothing to do with that like how he decides to emotionally process that is all on him and unfortunately he goes through a lot of it on his own and comes out in some really bad places so I feel like Rand's path is kind of sort of mostly cut out for him but I also think that there's enough written around what happens to him that keeps me interested and in not feeling like things are too terribly predictable. But no, I never once thought he'd like be like, sure, Balsamon, hand me a notebook and a number two pencil. I'm ready to learn. <laughs> no, I never thought that. Speaking of our Forsaken, I guess this is the last thing that I want to say. Yeah. Out of all of the things in the entire chapters <laughs> this week, the most unbelievable thing is Lanfear showing up, seeing Rand in bed with another woman and being like, okay, like, cool, bye. Totally fine with not, that. And not just losing it. I, I read that in your notes when I was, like, looking through stuff this morning and laughed out loud then too because i was like oh my god good point <laughs> i mean you know what she does later on yeah like when she finds out that Rand had sex she i mean she goes <laughs> mental yeah yeah what she ends up doing to avienda and Egwene, Egwene in particular ends up like recovering for weeks mm-hmm. because of what Lanfear finds out and like she thinks it's a it's either a queen or avienda and a queen gets like the super brunt end of it and damn damn right i mean what does she think men's doing in there? i mean at that I mean- point <laughs> considering what we know about celine slash Lanfear, she could have just like killed men and yeah. picked Rand up with the one power. He's unconscious, sick. Yeah. And just pull him through a gateway and start weaving a little compulsion. Yeah. Easy peasy. Easy. Except for if, if she had to compulse him, then it would feel like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she would be satisfied with that. So just a lot of gaslighting. You love me. You think I'm the most beautiful mm-hmm. woman in the world. You will stand yeah. by my side. She's already been because doing that. Can- well, if she can do it that way, then there's still that reason for her to believe that he came to the choice on his own. Yeah. Like, compulsion is just like... Well, I mean, when we did our... I mean, I still remember this about Fear. When we did our episode on her, she kind of prided herself on the fact that she so rarely used compulsion because she so rarely was ever in a situation where she didn't get what she wanted. Like... Mm-hmm. There is, what is that, that golden rule where, like, pretty people get things more than yeah. unattractive people do? Mm-hmm. And if Lanfear is that damn gorgeous, I bet there are people just, like, yeah. lining up down streets. Here, take all the fan cloth I have. You may blend in with anything. 
dress is getting dirty. Let me lay on this puddle for you. That's why she gets away with wearing all that white. white. Now we yeah, know. Makes sense. Oh my gosh. I. You know what? I don't. Is there another? No, that was the last one, right? That was the last mm-hmm. chapter. Yeah. I don't. I don't really think I have anything else. I feel so like we'll, that's a good we'll, place. Yeah, we'll leave it off there, and we'll see you next week. Oh, shop. Do we talk about that? Oh, oh, sure. Um, we opened up a new shop, and it's under the name Cozy Contorta because we're doing a lot of stuff under the shop. So we have Road to Tarval and stuff there. We have stuff for the book club, and we have stuff for the Expanse because we love the Expanse. Um, it's it's book related. Yeah, it's all merchandise. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, a little, little book love happening, and hopefully more in the future. Yeah, and if you like listening to us, listening to us talk about books, join our book club. Yeah, yeah, because the, the live... It's growing a lot, and it's awesome. Yeah, the, the, the live stream that we did last week was super fun, and I'm really excited about doing more of them and like bringing more people into it. I think it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Here, here. It's hard to deny love of books, you know? Hard to deny it. Yeah. I can't deny it. (laughs) All right. All done. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.